0: He is risen. He is risen. Oh, you are so good at that. That is my favorite part of, of Easter. It never used to be my favorite part of Easter. Of course, when I was growing up, Easter dinner was always ham. I'd always have ham for Easter, no matter what. Carla was making deviled eggs last night. I said, no thanks. Um, so that was part of Easter. My mom would make an Easter bunny cake every single Easter. And it was a cake. I have to put my Bible down. It was a cake with this... The what is it? Eight-inch round cake pan, and she'd make two of those, and she'd split one in half and put them together, and and that would be like the body of the cake, and then the other part of the cake she'd make like the head and the tail, and she'd cover it with white frosting and put uh, uh, a coconut on it to make it look like the bunny fur, and she'd use have paper ears, and she'd use jelly beans for the eyes, and she'd put green coconut at the base to look like grass, like the bunny was sitting in grass that was our Easter dessert and I would always I would get the black jelly beans and put them by the rear of the bunny cake and every year I'd get in trouble <laughs> you know and my mom would holler out Rob! it was just one of the Easter traditions you know just like uh, you know he is risen he risen indeed um, none of those things were my favorite uh, part you know what my favorite part was the basket of course the basket We'd have, you know, jelly beans, of course, and Cadbury eggs, Peeps. I didn't like Peeps Peeps, but they'd be there. Uh, uh, And one year year I got a hollow bunny. Who gets hollow bunnies? It needs to be solid all the way through bunny. Uh, But of course you know, and the reason we're here is because none of those things are what Easter's about. The good news of the gospel is He is risen. You do that so very, very well. Where we left off, we've been looking through this uh, Easter season, the Lenten season, at Matthew's account of the suffering and death and resurrection of Jesus. And where we left off really was the cold dead body of Jesus. And Joseph of Arimathea comes and takes the cold dead body of Jesus and places it in a tomb. And if you were to look in Matthew 27, verse 61... There's a couple of ladies, it says Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting opposite of the tomb. They saw exactly where the tomb was. Of course, there was no marker, there was no, you know, uh, uh, thing that said R.I.P. Jesus, nothing like that. But they knew, they knew which tomb was, was Jesus' tomb, they knew where he had been laid. That'll come into play in a little bit. Also during that time, the religious leaders, still nervous about what had happened, the religious leaders went to Pilate. And in verse 63, it says, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver, that's what they called Jesus, the deceiver, the deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come, steal the body, and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. So that's where we left it off. Tomb in front, uh, rock in front of the tomb. Saturday. Imagine the disciples sitting on their Emotions. Talk about, you know, his post-traumatic stress syndrome, probably their poster child. The, 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 the dealing with the guilt. We should have we we helped Jesus more. Dealing with uh, disappointment or disillusionment. We thought that Jesus was the one and now he's dead. Confusion. Why didn't Jesus call those 12 legions of angels? He said he could. Why didn't he? Why didn't he? What was the deal? But maybe the most overriding emotion was fear. We could be next. They hunted down Jesus. They know we were his followers. We could be next. So hanging over them was this death and disappointment and this jumble of emotions. And then we get to chapter 28. And those two ladies, who saw exactly where the tomb was located, 28-1, after Sabbath, at dawn, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, the other one, Went to look for the tomb The the gospels Each tell the story a little bit differently If you were to read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John's account Each one tells it a little bit differently Matthew, it's these two ladies Mary Magdalene and the other Mary Uh, Mark adds Salome to it Uh, Luke adds, adds Joanna and Mary the mother of James And some other women And John, it's just Mary Magdalene And when they get there uh, Mark and Matthew have one angel and Luke and John have two angels and for some it's that here it's very early in the morning right at dawn and Luke agrees with that but John is just early in the morning and, and, and when it's before dark and critics say oh, you know they can't even get the story straight how are we to believe it? Everyone, there's, there's four Gospels, and they tell four different things. How co- they, don't, they don't even get the story straight. I think actually that makes it more believable. Because the Gospel writers, they, were, they weren't concerned with those details. They were concerned with the big detail. And the big detail was the tomb was empty. And the big detail was Jesus, was Jesus was alive. And the big detail was, you know, we don't... I don't know how many women were there. And besides, women, women in the first century, I I hate to tell you this, women in the first century were not uh, considered credible uh, uh, witnesses. Women in the first century could not testify in court. because They were not credible. And so it makes it even more believable that they would say, you know who Jesus showed up to? The very first people that Jesus encountered? Guess who it it was? If they were trying to make up the story, they would not have said that it was to Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. Never would have said that. Remember who Mary Magdalene was. Not only was she a woman, Mary Magdalene was the woman who had seven demons chased out of her by Jesus. Mary Magdalene was was maybe the worst witness considered by by the rest of society. She was known as she wasn't she didn't carry her family name. It wasn't Mary the the daughter of, of John. It was Mary Magdalene. Like Jesus of Nazareth, she was known by her hometown. Why is she known by her hometown? Probably because her family disowned her. Why about that whole seven demons business? And that's who Jesus shows up to. All of the gospels say Mary Magdalene was there. The one person who was told Mary Magdalene was there. The very first person that Jesus saw was this woman who had had seven demons. And she is the first evangelist, if you will. She is the first proclaimer of the good news of Jesus Christ, the resurrected Lord. And the angel shows up to her and says, listen... Well, let's read the story. I'm getting ahead of myself. Verse 2. Then there was a violent earthquake, and an angel of the Lord came down from heaven... And going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid... I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified he is not here he has risen just as he said come and see the place where he lay then go quickly tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee there you will see him now I have told you so the women hurried away from the tomb afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples suddenly Jesus met with them greetings he said and they came to him, clasped his feet, worshiped him, then Jesus said to them, "Do not be afraid, go tell them, my brothers, go into Galilee. there they will see me." It's like Jesus didn't think that the angel did his job because he told them exactly the same thing. <laughs> I don't know what that angel is thinking. You go make sure the boys, make sure the boys know. Make sure the boys know. I'll meet them in Galilee. Got the message, Got the message. And there you have it. Resurrection story. That's the what, right? That's the big what of the morning. He is, he is risen. I believe you believe it. But the question for us maybe isn't so much the what of Easter. We know what happened. Maybe the question is so what? What difference does Easter make for you and me? Yeah, Jesus, Jesus, yeah, I know, four gospels tell it. Tomb is empty, Jesus is alive so what now usually preachers preachers like me we will then go we'll say well I'll tell you why Jesus to be to death that's why and we'll, and we'll go back to a very familiar Bible verse that many of you learned when you were in Sunday school so long ago John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life that's why so what Jesus is alive, and if you believe in Jesus, yahoo, you'll have eternal life too. That's why, that's why, that's why it's a big deal. And that's true, that's true, that's true, that's really, really true. But you know, the resurrection of Jesus was not not simply to give you a boarding pass to heaven. I mean, that's part of it, sure, that's part of it. But that's not the only part. when, When we go traveling, when Carla and I go traveling, Uh, we have learned especially back you know they're still using some paper boarding passes some it's on your phone it's way better for me on the phone because when it was just paper boarding passes I would lose mine all the time I have a backpack I'd stick it in a pocket in a backpack tell myself don't lose it don't lose it put it in the pocket and then when it's time to go I forgot which pocket and so I'd be going through and it's time to board Rob it's time to board I can't find my boarding pass what do I do with my boarding pass and so now we've learned if we have a paper boarding pass Carla gets them all it just makes everybody happier. <laughs> then if she loses it, then... You know. but, but, but that's, you know, she has them. She has them. She has them. The resurrection of Jesus isn't simply for your boarding pass to heaven. If that were the case, Jesus would have showed up to Jerusalem, head straight to the cross, gone to the cross, death, buried, you know, raised. But he didn't. What did he do? Between Palm Sunday, Good Friday, what did Jesus do? Well, he... he he confronted hypocrisy right at the temple. He flipped over tables. He he uh, healed some folks. He he fed. He washed the disciples' feet. There's way more to it than just just the death and and and, and resurrection and ticket to heaven. There was work here on earth that needed to be done. Following following his resurrection, what did Jesus do? He didn't go, he didn't show up at, at, at Caesar's door in Rome and said, hey, guess what? I am alive. He didn't go to Pilate and said, Pilate, you big dummy. Look at, look at, it's me, Jesus. He didn't go to Caiaphas' house, the high priest, and say, see, I told you so. He didn't track down Barabbas someplace and say, Barabbas, they picked the wrong Jesus. He didn't do it. What did he do? Do you remember what he did? One of the very first things Jesus did was he went with his, his disciples were out fishing. And he gave those fishermen the greatest fish story ever. They caught more fish than they could ever imagine. John 20, tells, 21 tells us that. And so they're coming in with all these fish. And Peter realizes, hey, that's Jesus on shore. And what's the resurrected Lord? This isn't just you and me. The resurrected Jesus doing. He's frying up some eggs, making fish breakfast. I would have preferred bacon, but it's fish and the eggs, Whatever. And I guess they wouldn't have eaten bacon. That's all right. Whatever you know, they're frying it all up. The resurrected Lord making breakfast, and he's 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 reclaiming, restoring, telling those disciples. Even Peter, the one who did, disowned him the greatest, right? Even to Peter, what does he say? Follow me, feed my sheep. Just feed my sheep. What, what is that? Peter, be a blessing in this world. Feed my sheep, Peter, go on out, Peter, commissioning you, baby, feed my sheep, make a difference, be a blessing on Good Friday. If you were here, Good Friday, we had the big cross out front, and I, I talked a little bit about the different uh, theories of atonement, what the cross really means that at one meant how can we be at one with Christ, and I said there are different theories that are used, and I uh, the substitutionary theory that Jesus went on the cross as our substitute. The Bible says the wages of sin is death and Jesus was our substitute. That's one theory. The moral influence theory that, that it was, wasn't um, um, nails that kept Jesus on the cross, but rather it was, it was his, God's great love for us. Romans 5, 8 says, says, for God demonstrates his own love for us, but while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The moral influence theory. talked about the... the, the um, sacrificial uh, lamb theory, the sacrificial offering theory that Jesus is the lamb of God and like the Passover lamb, Jesus went displaying God's mercy towards us. And I said all those theories, they're okay, they're okay, the, you know the Bible doesn't spell it out, one, two, three and, and I take bits and pieces from them, I'm thankful, I'm thankful that, that when I recognize that Jesus went to the cross for my sins and I'm thankful that it, of his amazing grace and love that kept him on the cross and I'm certainly thankful for the mercy of God that, that is displayed to us in the sacrificial understanding. But I told you my favorite. The one that resonates best with me. is called Christos Victor. Christ the Victor. Theory of atonement. And it was, it was developed by a theologian, Swiss theologian named Gustav Alin. And Gustav Alin the reason I saved it for Easter is because Gustav Alin, uh he didn't think that the... The atonement could be just summed up. It wasn't a separate entity. The cross wasn't separate all by itself, but rather it was God's Almighty working in our world, and our entire world. And through these events of what we call Easter weekend, through the, the, the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus, it displays God's, God's, God Almighty's power in overcoming evil in this world. And that you can't separate the cross from the resurrection, and that they're all combined. And through it all, Christ is the victor. Christ is the champion. Christ went toe to toe with evil and Jesus won. That's what, what, what Christos Victor atonement is all about. It's saying, think of it this way it's like God enters the boxing ring and, and he's going toe to toe with evil itself. Kind of like as, as Goliath held the Israelites captive you know, so long ago and, and were frightened out of their wits. Evil has done that to us, where we live in a society where it seems like might is right. And evil is all around. And, and, and God Almighty, through Jesus, steps into the boxing ring and takes the worst blows. The worst blows that it can offer, you know. And it, that he's beaten. And, he, and he's mocked. And he's spit upon. And all the rest. And he's knocked out cold. Literally. And the referee is down on the mat, ready to slap it. And just as he's about to slap the mat, it's over. <clears throat> He is risen. risen. See, I thought you were going to miss that one, but you didn't. And so I'm glad for that. And Christ is the victor. Now, Robert Lowry wrote a song years ago. We always used to sing this song on Easter. Every Easter. It wasn't Easter. This was another one of those Easter traditions. We sang it every Easter. And Robert Lowry, I don't think, met Gustav Ali, but he could have. Because that was the hymn that we sang every Easter that said up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes he arose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with the saints to reign he arose, he arose, hallelujah, he arose do you remember that song? oh, I love singing that song if only we had a choir that could help me sing that song I've always wanted, I'm springing the song now they don't know what I'm about to do only Diane, sitting at the piano knows and Jordan, up in the booth, knows but... And Nate, I just told Nate, Nate, leave your baton. I can't do this in the next service because we're not going to have a choir back there. But I got this service, and I've always wanted to do it. And and we need to sing it. And so, choir, everybody, up, up, up. We gotta sing it. Are you ready? You gotta gotta sing it really loud because they don't know. The words are right there. You got it? You know this song, don't you? You gotta follow me. You gotta follow me. Because I got the baton, baby. You gotta follow me. Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. How does it begin? <laughs> Thank you, choir. I should preach with them behind me all the time. That would be awesome. That's what this is all. Christ is the victor. Christ is the victor. Now they're gabbing. They'll never stop. Christ is the victor. And what that means is, because of Jesus, we can be set free from sin and evil and darkness and death itself and experience the love and the freedom and the peace and the, and, the, and the joy that only Jesus brings But we have to decide We have to decide to follow him That's, the, that's part of the story here We have to decide to, to leave the enslavement of sin See the You know this The battle continues Pastor there's still evil in the world You know there's a war going on in Ukraine And, and 30,000 children every day Every single day Die of malnutrition type of diseases And I just read a report this year that 230 million people in our world are living in extreme poverty. Not just poverty, extreme poverty. No one in the United States experienced that extreme, extreme, extreme poverty. See, Pastor, there's a lot of evil in the world there. You're right. I thought Jesus defeated evil. He did. We're living in this time of of already but not yet. Jesus has defeated death. Jesus has defeated that, but he has not yet returned Jesus is coming back I don't know when that is Jesus is coming back and when he comes back then he's going to be making all things new and we're in this in between time that's where we're at right now and what are we to do? we're to keep doing what Jesus said to do what did Jesus say to do? what did he tell Peter? feed my sheep keep on working feed my sheep make a difference that's what he's telling us to do you know Maybe to help explain. Only John tells this part of the story. When John is telling us that Jesus was cold dead body, was placed in a tomb, this is what he says. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. Only John says it was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb which no one had ever been laid. John John was the last gospel written. Well, John's filling in the gaps. And John, you know, as he's telling the story, he begins way at the beginning. Not just, you know, Jesus' beginning, not even Adam's beginning. He says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Way in the beginning. And so he's telling the whole story, the whole gospel story. And, and he, he recognizes that God's encounter with humans begins, where does it begin? In a garden, right? The Garden of Eden. And that's where the devil came to Adam and Eve. And they disobeyed God. And they, and they followed their own selfish pursuits. And they, and they brought about evil really into the world. And ever since, we've been dealing with the evil and the self-centeredness and the guilt and the shame and all the works. But now, in the place where Jesus died, John says, wait a minute. There was a garden. Another garden. A reversal of Eden where God comes in and changes the narrative and it's no longer a story of guilt and shame but now it can be one of hope and peace and joy and forgiveness and love that's what this new garden is all about that this Jesus, the son of man came to make a difference in the world and he calls us to participate with him in in the redeeming of our world this should not be news to you if you've attended Central Church for any length of time because we pray nearly every single week That God's kingdom will come. His will would be done. What Jesus taught us to pray. Right? Where? On earth. Where? In flint. As it is in heaven. It means that we participate in God's redemption of the world. That he has called us to feed my sheep. Make a difference. Go into the world. Bless the world. That's what he's talking about. In 1 Corinthians 15, nearly every time I go out to a cemetery at a funeral. I always read these words. Almost all the time. And Paul wrote this. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory. Christ is the victor. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, sit in your pews and just sing about heaven. No, that's not what he said. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters get just in a little holy huddle and talk about, you know, other people. That's not what he said. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move. You always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. There is victory in Jesus. But that victory in Jesus doesn't simply mean, okay, I've got my boarding pass to heaven, you know, just zip me off whenever you want. No, it's saying there is victory in Jesus and in the meantime... Before I get to heaven, I need to be about God's work here on planet Earth. His redemptive work here on planet Earth. Doing his bidding, feeding his sheep, doing his business, being a difference maker. Wherever God leads me, whatever God wants for me to do. That's what this is calling us for. Participating with God in his redemption in the world. And you think of not me pastor I don't know who you're talking about but that that is not me you don't know me you don't know uh, uh, where I've been you don't know what I've got I can't are you kidding me last Sunday if you were here last Sunday I I gave you a preview verse and I promised you that I was going to read it this Sunday and here it is it's in Romans chapter 8 verse 11 this is what Paul says if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you If God's Spirit is living in you, the one who raised Jesus from the dead, that same power is at work in you. He he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because His Spirit who lives in you. It's saying the resurrected power of Jesus Christ can be at work in you. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead can be at work in you. Don't tell me you can't do something. Don't tell me, oh, you don't know where I've been. Are you worse than Mary Magdalene? Have you had seven uh, 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 demons living in you? No. Can Je- did Jesus use her? Yes! If Jesus can use her, Jesus can use you. And Jesus goes to her and says, listen, Mary, seven demons, ex-seven demon lady, guess what? You're going to be the very first messenger of the good news. Why? Because I care about people just like you. And guess what? God cares about you. And God can use you. Pastor, you do not understand me. I do. This resurrected power, what it's about, it's restoring the imago Dei, Latin, the image of God in you. It's it's God himself, the spirit living in you and making you into the person that you long to be. Every one of us is made in the image of God. And I know what you're thinking. Not my crazy Uncle Stanley comb over, lazy eye, beer belly his wife Flo looks a lot like him not them no them, them too them too it's so easy for us to look at, at others and say oh they can't be or, or worse look at ourselves I'm disqualified pastor if you knew where I've been if you knew what I've done if you know this, this, this if you know what, what goes through my mind you would say there's no way you have been disqualified no it doesn't work that way the resurrected power can be at work in you You are not helpless. You are not hopeless. You are not. You can. God has great things in store for you. The power of the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead can be at work in you. That's why we are here today. Not simply to proclaim, oh, I got my my boarding pass to heaven. No, we are here today to say that God wants to bloom in you today, God wants to make a difference in your life today. Not just in your life, but in your life so that you can then make a difference in others' lives. So that you can participate with God in what He's doing in this world. So that you can be a difference maker. So that you can be a love giver. So that you can be a peacemaker. That's why we're here today. Not simply to just remember some event that took place 2,000 years ago, but to proclaim once and for all, Jesus Christ is the victor. And then because Jesus Christ is the victor, that means that I can bloom and be a victor as well. That I can live for Him and be for him and I can make a difference in my world that's why we're here (sighs) pastor how does it work it's very simple it's simply saying Jesus would you come into my life and when we pray that when we seriously seek him the bible says we find him